We live inside a dream. Originally conceived as a television pilot, a large portion of the film was shot in 1999. <laughs> hey! Thank you for joining Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates. I am your host, Jeremy Schmidt, sitting here with the lovable, oh so cute, Eric Keppel. You know, Jeremy, I got the pool. She got the pool, man. Oh, is that a reference to Mulholland Drive? <laughs> that's, a, that's a reference to Mulholland Drive. You know, the movie that you just uh, spewed facts about. Spewed facts about, yeah. That, I decided that's going to be my bit from now on. Whenever I have to intro an episode, I'll just pick a random sentence from the Wikipedia. Doesn't matter where it comes from, just a random <laughs> sentence, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no, um, you know, get your golf clubs, Eric, because uh, we got some... Uh, we got some Mulholland Drive to talk about here. The 2001 seminal david lynch work the 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 piece of uh, fiction that got me into david lynch from the get-go my dude yeah yeah i remember you telling me that you know this this would be a, a wild one to see for the first time i i would say that this was like this this definitely if i saw this and it was my first lynch film i, I it would have sucked me in i think i think oh, i would have yeah dude i would have been in um, yes yeah, yeah. No, well, it, how old were you when you when you saw it Oh, man, I must have been, I must have been, it must have been like 2005, 2004 or five. So this movie was probably only a few years old at that point when I first saw it. But yeah, I okay. was like, I was like 16 or 17. So it was like, it was like junior or senior year in high school and you couldn't find this film anywhere. And it was legendary because there was this crazy lesbian scene i know it's like even kind of reductive to even talk about it but like when you're as a young man i just remember everyone talking about this this scene this forbidden scene oh my gosh and i also heard it was scary so uh i picked it up from movie trading company very excited and um yeah a couple things i noticed about the dvd was one no chapters in fact, if you tried to skip around on the DVD, uh-huh. I don't know if you remember this, Eric, uh, David Lynch put like a, uh, a little algorithm or code in there that it would just skip to random chapters of the movie. You couldn't actually okay. access like where you wanted to be in the film because he, he hated DVD and he hated the medium and he hated like the idea of you like traveling, like, like being able to skip around, right? So he wanted, so yeah. he like made it to where you couldn't do that. Um, <laughs> That's great. And then, uh, yeah, I just remember being absolutely fucking blown away by Mulholland Drive. I, I love oh, this yeah. film. And, you know, I, you'll have to help me out because I can't tell if this is a good film, like if this is A, a good film, period. B, a good film for David Lynch. Like if this is one of his better works, because to me, it's all nostalgia. When I sit down with Mulholland Drive, I've seen this film maybe as much as I've seen some of my favorite films of all time. This is like maybe 10, yeah. 10 to 15 times I've seen this movie. I like to think, you know, I mean, I saw this when I was probably 18 or something for the first time. I had seen, you know, Blue Velvet and I think Lost Highway and Eraserhead. Uh, I, I like to think that I can tell when, when I'm like enjoying something for nostalgia's sake. And I think that this is just like a very good movie 
hands down. Uh, I, I I really do. I think this is a fucking great movie. And Jeremy, you know, I gotta I gotta say, after looking at some of the statistics of our of our podcast, you know, mm-hmm. I can oh kind of kind of tell. You know what's interesting about our podcast and like when you look at like the numbers of listeners and stuff is. Uh, I feel like we're a podcast, and I, I'm totally cool with this. I actually, I kind of love it, where I think sometimes people will tune in for, like, an episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. someone's just looking for an episode of a, of a podcast to listen to about, like, this movie they just watched. Like, I do that sometimes. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, I, I, I have a feeling, since Mulholland Drive is such a popular film, not just with the, the David Lynch crowd, but with... Uh, I would say I would say like sort of cinema files. I think I think this will be I think this will be a popular one for us. So uh, excited to have you if you're a new listener. Um, we we've been covering we you know we kind of we we change our name every time we move on to different subjects. Right now we're a Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch podcast. Uh, we, you know we've did the Chucky movies. We did the Ari Aster movies. We're, we we don't know what we're gonna do next, but. Uh, Glad to have you. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Uh, if you're listening in May of 2020, we're doing a pandemic special, or June, I'm sorry. Uh, for $1, you can try it out and get the weekly bonus episodes. Uh, in July, we're going to we're gonna have to go back to doing uh, the regular $5 for the weekly bonus episodes, but it's a great time over there. We're talking 90s comedy movies. We're doing uh, listener requests. Uh, Hollywood conspiracy theories, tales from the crypt. It's a great time, but uh, I just wanted to get that that stuff out of the way uh, before I forgot. So uh, I think we're gonna have like probably a lot a lot to talk about here, Jeremy. Um, oh so yeah. So I think we should uh, I think we should just dive right into talking about sort of the the making of the film and various trivia and whatnot that we like to discuss. <laughs> uh, so you know what, Bud. I, I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm gonna comply. I think that sounds great. Uh, I. I will not. Argue, I will not fight you on this. I think we Shit. should talk yeah. about the film. Well, I was anticipating a, at least twenty <laughs> minutes of verbal fighting. <laughs> you know what, dude? Not today. No, I'm too excited, Eric. You cannot. You cannot coerce me into a fight. I will not let it happen today. So Mulholland Drive, the theatrical release, was uh, one month and one day after 9-11. It came out October 12th, 2001. Um, And, uh, you know, America was finally able to say, what the hell just happened again? You know how when (laughs) SNL, when SNL, the first SNL after uh, 9-11, everyone was like, oh, America can laugh again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now this, with with Mulholland Drive, it was like America can, like, have their mind blown again. Yeah, America's ready to get fucking weird again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so we got Naomi Watts, Laura Herring, uh, Justin Theroux. Do you you know Laura Herring from anything else? I was trying to figure out. No. Yeah, me neither. I, I was looking at her credits, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't think I know her from anything else. I don't either. No. She does have a big body of work, but, uh, you know. 
originally conceived as a uh, TV pilot intended for ABC. Uh, so Eric, was... I did cover this in the intro, so... Ah, goddamn. <laughs> uh, I forgot. Um, all right, we'll cut it out. I'll cut it out. Actually, I'll replace me saying it with your intro, and I'll, swa- I'll switch <laughs> great, it. Great, great. <laughs> well, just to expand on that, Jeremy, uh, so th- it was kind of like a weird... <laughs> It's it, it's kind of like a whole weird process. So, first first of all, Sherilyn Fenn said uh, at one point in an interview, and I I think David Lynch has talked about this as well that uh, this was kind of going to be originally like a Twin Peaks spinoff uh, film for Audrey Horn, which oh. I would have loved to see, uh, but I I I I don't. It's hard. I don't know. It's it's it's. I can sort of like see a tiny thread of that idea in this movie in a way where I'm like, yeah, I could see like Audrey Horn going to L.A. and I don't know, hanging out in an opera at two in the morning. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it sounds <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, that sounds great. Yeah, I don't. I guess I don't um, really know. It's so hard to see to think about what that would be like, I guess. Like a what would yeah. what would the Twin Peaks version of Mulholland Drive be other than just like a a road movie again. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, a tra- some sort of travel where you're taking a character from something you've seen before and putting like saves the bell goes to Hawaii, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Or Ernest goes yeah. to jail. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. It probably would have had a different tone than Ernest goes to jail. Yeah. But <laughs> I think that, yeah, I'm glad we got what we got. Yeah. Um, so a large portion of the film was shot in 99 with Lynch's plan to keep it open-ended for a potential series. Uh, TV, ABC executives uh, did not like it. Uh, Lynch had sold sold the idea to them based on the story of Rita emerging from the car accident with her purse containing 125 grand in cash and the blue key, uh, and Betty trying to help her figure out who she is. So that was basically the the pitch for the for the pilot. Um, describing uh, the transition from an open ended pilot to fe- a feature film with a resolution of sorts. Lynch said, one night I sat down, the ideas came in, and it was the most beautiful experience. Everything was seen from a different angle. Now looking back, I see that the film always uh, always wanted to be this way. It just took the strange beginning to cause it to be what it is. Uh, so that's one thing that I find really interesting about this movie is like people really dissect this film like a lot. And, uh, you know, you kind of assume if you don't know anything about the production of like a movie, uh, like the process of creating a movie like this, you're, you're, you just go in and you're like, yeah, I'm sure it was just like the fully fleshed out idea. Like this was the plan all along. And, uh, it actually was like, like sort of a beautiful mess in a way where like David Lynch had this idea and he like got the film, like a good chunk of it, but then he couldn't do anything with it. So he had to like add more onto it. And that's where I guess like the whole dream element came into it. Yeah, that's really that's really slick. I love that. It's you know, Eric, I, I <laughs> Jackie sent me like I guess a trailer for David Lynch's masterclass. I don't know if you've watched oh, his good. masterclass or like seen anything from it at all. No, no. But one of what, 
something that you said really reminded me of this where one one interesting thing he says just in the trailer i haven't actually taken the class but i think i'm going to now just because it seems fun he says that if you have 70 ideas you have a feature film that's his that's the way he makes films he says he writes them all out on cue cards and puts them all out in front of him he just collects 70 ideas (laughs) i love that i know i go ahead no 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 you go I have, I think he says that in um, Catching the Big Fish, which is this little like coffee table book he, he writes. It's it's square shaped and it's, uh, it's like little, like some of the entries are just like one sentence. Some of them are like a paragraph or two, uh, but he just tells like stories and little thoughts. Uh, just these little like David Lynch, like knowledge and inspiration nuggets that I go to like all the time when I'm like doing something creative, I'll just like read one of them and I'll just like, sometimes it'll be like just sort of entertaining. And sometimes I actually get something out of them, like the 70 ideas thing. Uh, but highly recommend it. If you ever, if you ever find it, come across a copy of catching the big fish. Very good. Yeah, that sounds great. I would, I would definitely like to check that out. It's, I think it's really, he has sort of a fun and unique way of constructing his films. And I think that that's like starting to really appeal to me. I don't know why, but even as a creative type, I've started to kind of adopt uh, less of a rule following mentality and more of a breaking away from rules for the sake of, you know, like making something funnier or making something pop or stand out or you know making something intentionally ambiguous i i think that like we should you know eric basically what i'm trying to say is we should make a movie like uh we should make a movie like this we should we should challenge ourselves one day to make a film using 70 ideas (laughs) i would love to do that (laughs) if any wealthy benefactor is out there (laughs) uh you know i i got loads of ideas dude all i need is like give us how much money, Jeremy, how much money do you think we would need for this thing? I would say it would be cool if we could raise somewhere in the neighborhood of like, like, I don't know, $50,000. <laughs> so I was going to say 50 grand. If we can get 50 grand, we'll make, we'll make a movie. We'll make a movie that started out as two podcast hosts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the way um, movies should have been yeah. made from the beginning. Uh, so um let's see here lynch uh best director at can uh he won uh dude he just he kills it at can they love him over there uh, dude of course they do because they know what's going on over at con or can oh yeah. whatever they, they know what's going on over there they it's uh it's an artist buffet buffet of artists you just go there you show your art film people give you a standing ovation and then you come back to the, the States and they're like, the Academy Award goes to Titanic. And you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I didn't know this before, but apparently Lynch cast Naomi Watts and Laura Herring by their photographs alone, uh, which is which lucky, doesn't surprise lucky me. Lucky for like them, an interesting, I think. Uh, yeah, so she, so Naomi Watts was like about to like give up basically before this. So the, this little anecdote from I think IMDb says Naomi Watts 
lost her health insurance and faced eviction from her apartment shortly after filming Wrapped. She was ready to quit acting and leave L.A., but her friend Nicole Kidman talked her into staying until after the film was released. And then, of course, the film, you know, kind of blew up her career a little bit. Yeah, he, um, he I feel like he's done that for a number of different performers. Like he'll, oh, yeah. he'll make Dern. yeah, he'll make their careers happen and then they all go out and do like their big their big like show showcase pieces where like the world gets acclimated to them, but it it always starts here on this like local independent film circuit where yes. Yeah. But uh Naomi Watts actually mentions that in a very good interview with her and David Lynch. I don't know what the interview was for, but you can watch it if you have the Criterion copy of Mulholland Drive. Uh, I don't have it myself, but on the Criterion channel, they had all the bonus features for it when I first nice. signed up for it, and that's how I saw that interview. And it's really good. The interview is really cool. They talk about they talk about a lot of stuff, and they give each other space so you get their each one of their perspectives on stuff. And it's like it's really, um, you know, man. At the end of the day, it's a it's a good interview. So I'd say check it out if you can. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see here. Naomi Watts, by the way, I think we went over some of the cast list of uh, Twin Peaks The Return, but we do, we, we do. I will spoil for you that we do get some Naomi Watts in, in The Return. Oh, cool. Because um, I, I, I love it. I love it when... Uh, Lynch like works with someone again and you're like, all right, they're like a, they're like a Lynch. They're part of the crew now. They're part of the family, the Lynch family. There's a couple people like that in the return. Um, so let's see. The only other thing I really wanted to bring up is, uh, Hmm. I actually, never mind. I'll bring these up as we, as we go through the plot. Do you have anything you wanted to, to talk about before we, dive into the plot no not really i mean just just from uh, looking at the trivia section of the imdb i love that um adam kesher smashing the producer's car windshield with the golf yeah. club is a yeah. reference to jack nicholson doing the same thing to a producer's <laughs> car in 1994 i think that's fucking awesome <laughs> yeah i i actually looked up the incident just to like read more about it and apparently so i wrote this down nicholson uh accused the person of cutting him off in traffic and just went to town on his Mercedes-Benz. That is so... Beat the shit out of it. Crazy. That's so crazy. That's so old Hollywood. Yeah. That also made me think, like, damn, dude, imagine uh, imagine a Nicholson-Lynch team-up. Oh, yeah. Well, I bet he would have done that in a heartbeat. Or maybe they still oh, can, yeah. you know? I don't know. I don't know if they're quite... Either one of them is quite in their prime anymore. David Lynch is looking a little old, which, by the way, you can see how old he looks in his weather reports, which he had another yeah. one today. They had a beautiful Black Lives Matter poster behind him. Oh, great. So he stands in solidarity with the protests, as does this podcast. If you're a cop... Yes. Turn off this podcast. It's not for you. Yeah, no cops allowed. No cops allowed. And if you're a cop and you want to sign up for the Patreon, (laughs) uh, you got to do the $50 tier, and we're not giving you any perks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Suckers. Yeah, sucker. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so a dark-haired woman is the sole survivor of a car crash on Mulholland Drive, a winding road high in the Hollywood Hills. Jeremy... 
You live in L.A. I used to live in L.A. <laughs> yeah. Have you taken the drive? Have you taken a night drive along Mulholland Drive? Yes, I have. Um, but but I did it unintentionally the first time. I kind of was like later, I was like re- realized I had done it and I kind of didn't realize it. I need to take an intentional drive down it during during the nighttime. Did you ever when, when you were out here? 100%. When, uh, <laughs> the, when the return was airing, I was like... I was working like a madman because I was trying to fund that that short film that we made. So I was like working uh, in the in an office all day, and then I would go and do Postmates at night. And like my only like the only thing keeping me sane was obsessing over Twin Peaks: The Return. And I would like drive around listening to these different like podcasts about Twin Peaks and mm. David Lynch and stuff, and. Uh, one night, I, I just ended up, like, not far from there, and I was, like, it was, like, a beautiful, like, clear clear night, big moon. I was, like, I'm taking a drive down Mulholland Drive, and it's uh, it's great. It is, like, it is very, like, mystical, and you, you feel like, uh, you really feel like you anything could happen there, even though you're kind of right on the outskirts. It's, like, a beautiful view, but you're also, like, fuck, like, you know, if I crashed right here. Mm-hmm. It's a scary place to for that to happen. Like yeah, it, yeah, you, yeah. LA. Especially if you've been through Mulholland Drive, the, it does make the opening of this film, and I think just the entire film in general. If you live in LA, I mean, it, it makes it more. It gives it something more special, I think, because like as a Texas boy, when I saw Mulholland Drive, I didn't. I just thought Mulholland sounded like a cool word or like a spooky yeah. street, <laughs> yeah. but. Once you kind of uh, understand its significance in the greater Los Angeles area, it makes more sense. Kind of like Sunset Boulevard is another movie where the name is the street and the street doesn't necessarily yes. make sense unless you live there. <laughs> that movie is also uh, was pretty influential for, for David Lynch. I've never watched that movie still. I, I, that's been on my list for years. Might be a bonus you know, app. What do you think? Yeah, that could be a good one. Could be a good one. Um the uh you know there's also sort of i mean might be reading too much into it but just sort of the symbolism of like a Mulholland drive uh is uh i believe there's a lot of you know uh a lot of sort of upper class uh housing around those parts and it kind of you're kind of like up above the rest of the city and everyone else uh so i don't know if that's sort of an intentional uh sort of i don't know some type of symbolism or something like i th- i think yeah i mean to me that's that's what it is to, oh, okay to, to me cool. that that's that's what i that's what i think of is i think of like the wealthy the rich the the parties you know like the uh the parties yeah. we see in this very film happening all the time but also it in typical david lynch fashion he sees the spookiness in it right he sees how haunting and, ch- and bone chilling these areas can be you know twin peaks is a is also a great example of like oh what a beautiful quaint small you know uh industrial town you know uh yeah factory town that is actually the underbelly of is actually very seedy and scary and 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 weird yes all right so uh on november 12th 1955 moments after witnessing doc vanished from the with the delorean after being struck (laughs) by a lightning bolt marty mcfly oh shit sorry wrong (laughs) wrong podcast notes 
I love doing that joke. That's a good joke. Uh, it gets me every time. Injured and in shock, uh, the woman makes her way down into Los Angeles and sneaks into an apartment. I will say this uh, this sort of hike, <laughs> wearing oh, like yeah. high heels and a dress, would take a while. It would, sure. Uh, it, you may or may not get eaten by a... Something. Well, and there's on top of that, you also have like the busyness of Hollywood and not yeah. being seen as a like that was another moment that was more significant to me after I'd lived out here is like the idea of actually getting from Mulholland Drive to an apartment and getting inside and going to sleep without being picked up by the cops or, you know, uh, noticed by the, you know, the incredible number of of people without homes and, 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 and night walkers and stuff. It's like, it's crazy. Like, yeah. Uh, and you also like, I felt the anxiety f- this time from her in like wanting to get to safety fast because she felt just so very unsafe and vulnerable in her weekend, you know, with amnesiatic state. <laughs> yeah. I will say, my first time watching this movie after I had lived in L.A. for a while, I was, like, so pumped when they... I think they show a street sign for Franklin, and I was like, oh, Franklin! Yeah! <laughs> like, lived off of that street. <laughs> yeah. Uh, later that morning, an uh, aspiring actress named Betty Elms arrives at the airport, uh, with which is normally occupied by her aunt Ruth. Or, wait, did I say airport? Oh. Did I say something wrong? Yeah, no. aspiring actress Betty Elms arrives at the apartment, which is normally occupied by her aunt Ruth. Right, but nothing. We didn't mention the apartment or the airport, which is the scene that comes right before it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. She's very uh, bright-eyed, happy to be there. Uh, makes friends with an old lady uh, <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like a. Yeah, that's that will come back later too. So I guess it's not without mentioning. So like that that old couple represents something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good. It's worth mentioning. Um, yeah, uh, Betty is startled to find the woman who has amnesia and calls herself Rita after seeing a poster for the film Gilda, starring Rita Hayworth. Uh, to help the woman remember her identity, Betty looks into Rita's purse, where she finds a large amount of money and an unusual blue key. Um, yeah, so, Mm -hmm. anything, uh, anything of note? Yeah, I think what, you know, I would like it if parts of this podcast, we, we, we also helped people in how to watch Mulholland Drive a little bit. So, like, things that maybe you should be noticing on a second view is exactly how beautiful and just, uh, well-lit, bright, and glossy the film looks at this point because oh, yeah. it's very important that you you notice that because that won't always be the case. Also, a uh, quick shout-out to Robert Forrester, who plays the cop in the beginning of the film. Yeah. He is not with us anymore, which is a shame, but he's such an amazing actor. The guy has been in, like, tons of amazing films, especially from this era. Uh, Tarantino put him in Jackie Brown, and that kind of, like, revitalized his career for a minute. And yeah, he did. He's done some great work and works with Lynch uh, here and there. And uh, yeah, great, great actor. But yeah, I think that this is you're you're also if you're watching this for the first time, you might be thinking like, why are people acting a certain way? It very much feels yeah. like 
bad acting in this in this beginning sequence. Like everything Naomi Watts is doing is kind of just like thank you. Oh boy. Oh, Rita, I won't let you down. You know, she's saying a lot of um she just she just like you said, very bright-eyed, very bushy-tailed, but also incredibly naive and and this film take has a very soap opera feeling to it <laughs> like yeah um yeah yeah um yeah i remember i remember the first time seeing this and being like weird <laughs> this is kinda, yeah exactly kind of odd yeah um yeah this is definitely a movie if, if you watch this and you and you liked it um it's it's one that is almost better the second time around uh, I, this movie gets better for me every time I watch it, to be honest. Uh, I, I agree with that. I also think that the first time you watch it, you're you're taken for such a ride that you, you're going to forget so much of the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so at a diner called Winkies, a man tells his uh, companion about a nightmare in which he dreamt about encountering a horrible figure behind the diner. Uh, when they investigate, the figure appears, causing the man with the nightmare to collapse in fright. Uh, scary, yes. <laughs> scary, pretty, pretty terrifying. Yeah, uh, this was else? the that was the scene that I think legitimately did scare me to death when I saw it the first time. Uh, not not le- to death. I said legitimately, and then I said a lie. <laughs> uh, no, it yeah. scared me a, a lot. But then also the film is kind of known for this scene. Like I remember hearing from my friends like, oh my God, there's this scene that will fucking, it will fucking freak you out. And uh, yeah, I just like that that scene is still very effective. It's filled with dread and anxiety in the same way that having a dream like that would fill you with anxiety. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's horrifying. Uh, when they invest uh, uh, elsewhere, director Adam Kesher uh, has his film cam- commandeered by mobsters who insist he cast an unknown actress named Camilla Rhodes as the lead in his film. So this is a little piece of trivia, Jeremy. One of the mo- the mobster that spits out the espresso on a napkin. Do you know who that is? Yeah, that's he's in more David Lynch stuff, right? Hmm, he might be. But uh, he he's definitely w- known David Lynch for a while. <laughs> That is Angelo Badalamenti. Oh, yeah. fuck! That's Angelo Badalamenti who did the, uh, you know, the score. He's a very long time composer for David Lynch. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, because I've I I was I was gonna like comment on like how I'd seen him before. He's one of those guys that like, you know, you always see him in films, but you don't know like where he's from. But I guess that's not true. I'm, I'm also thinking of a different mobster. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there were two mobsters. There were two mobsters. Yeah. Uh, that, Adam is cr- resists, that is really fun. Uh, Adam resists, but after being thrown out of his house when he finds his wife cheating on him, he learns that his bank has closed his line of credit and he is broke. Uh, I do I do love the, the, the whole, like, pool guy scene uh, with fucking... Uh, What's that guy's name? Justin Theroux? No. Well, yeah, Justin Theroux, but like the guy that's porking his wife. Who's that actor? actor? Oh, I don't. I have no idea. Is he is he famous? Oh, is it Billy Ray? Yeah, it's Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Ray Cyrus. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
yeah, I yeah, it. I love the I, I love this. Uh, it's very funny. Um, and and just the pink, like the the dump, the pink having like having him have pink paint all over him and stuff. It's great. It's it's a lot of good choices going on. Uh, he agrees to meet a mysterious figure called the Cowboy, who urges him to cast Camilla Rhodes for his own good. Uh, meanwhile, a bungling hitman attempts to steal a book full of phone numbers and leaves three people dead. So, uh, yes, the bumbling hitman scene is very interesting. I also, uh, so Eric, th- these scenes all take place back to back, right? For, for the most part, because I'm, I'm realizing this is co- kind of like a long, we take kind of a long break from. Yeah, I think we're bouncing story. around. We're bouncing around a little bit, huh? We're bouncing around. Yeah. Well, and either I, way, like all these scenes, like, um, you know, all these scenes sort of out of order talking about each individual one, like they're all, they're all like in service of this like greater good, right? So, you know, yeah. like y- you may not see certain characters ever again. Like, I don't even know if we see this hitman again. We might actually like we do later? we do it later when we're right after yeah. she wakes up. Gotcha. But um, but yeah, like it, you're gonna you're gonna watch these scenes, and by the end of the film, you're gonna be like, why the fuck did I see that? Why did, why did I see the bumbling hitman shoot a woman through the wall? And uh, my only <laughs> guess is for that hitman scene is that like it's a holdover, I think, from when this was gonna be a television show, and it was a funny kind of almost sketch idea he had <laughs> that uh, doesn't actually mean like a ton. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, it, I mean, other than just like introducing that hitman, cause the hitman is important at later on. We find out, you know, right. that in reality, Naomi Watts hired him um, to kill Laura Herring's character. But um, yeah, it, it, it with like, we don't really need that scene. It is. Right. It is entertaining, though, and I also do like that long-haired guy. Yeah. I like. I like watching that guy. He's like a funny. He's a funny-looking guy. Yeah, um, for sure. While trying to learn more about Rita's accident, Betty and Rita go to Winkies and are uh, served by a waitress named Diane, which causes Rita to remember her name, uh, Diane Selwyn, or to remember the name Diane Selwyn. Uh, they find Diane Selwyn in the phone book and call her, but she does not answer. Uh, Betty goes to an audition where her performance is highly praised. Uh, casting agent takes her to a soundstage where a film called The Sylvia North Story, directed by Adam, is being cast. Hmm. Uh, what do you think of this audition scene, by the way? Yeah, this is... Okay, so there's two things I'd like to mention. One is that uh, the Camilla Rhodes scene where you see her singing is... Um, it's very iconic to me. I don't know if it's an iconic scene <laughs> from this film, but yeah. when she's singing that old 1950s like kind of doo-wop song. Yeah. And uh and her voice is kind of so weird coming out of her body, you know? Uh it almost feels like it doesn't fit. And and it's like we're seeing him watch her and then he kind of turns the director turns and sees Naomi Watts noticing Naomi Watts. All this stuff is of course very important on the overall like I think story of the film, but it 
to me, just the sequence of bouncing from that to the audition scene where it's all these like kind of old, gross white men. And, uh, you know, Naomi Watts has to like suddenly start performing. Like it's like, it's it's almost like acting clicks for her in this moment where, and she becomes a completely different person and kind of blows the doors down. And I'm going to say it's so jarring because it's the first moment of real acting you actually see in this movie. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like that's it. That's the first moment. Like the, before that, right. It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of bullshit. Everything is like bullshit and, and nice and flowers and sunshine. And then you see her transform and you realize like, Oh no, something darker is going on here. Something way darker is going on here. Because if the film has the capability to recognize it's been, it's been very sunny this entire time, and then go this dark, this hard, it, it to me that's a moment that really like adjusts your expectations. Where you go, oh fuck, okay, uh oh, I didn't, I didn't realize we were doing this now. Like I thought, I don't know what you might be thinking, but I, but I think that that does definitely like, I don't know, it fixes for me watching the film like an expectation so what what do you think about that scene did you does it kind of do the same for you where you're like oh wow like i like the acting suddenly gets better here for a minute and that's intentional and why (laughs) yeah and it almost feels like it's not it's not the same movie for a second you're like wait what that was kind of out of nowhere but yeah it's I, i love that um also uh the the audition before when she's with that old guy, uh, that old guy who like, and she like puts his hand on her butt and right. stuff is like, makes me so uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Um, I know that the, uh, the, I, I guess what the, I mean, the point of it is that she has this like very, you know, the audition goes very well or whatever. Um, but it's still, it's still kind of creepy. To yeah. Me. I mean, all of this stuff is like a very very careful dissection of the Hollywood film system. Like almost every scene can be read that way, you know? Uh, Right. You know, so it's like, this is definitely Lynch's experience or probably other actresses experience. He's known who've been chewed up by the Hollywood system is like, you know, it's, it really boils down to creepy old white dudes in a room. And if they like you, you're in, and if they don't like you, you're not in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think of of course like all this stuff about the pains and tr- trials and tribulations of being a director is also very fun. <laughs> Even though for oh, yeah. most of in the entire population unrelatable completely, I still love following around uh Adam and his and like all of his hijinks because they are like you can just tell this is like Lynch's gripes, you know? <laughs> like don't, don't you hate it when your wife is fucking the pool guy? Jeremy, you freaking baby! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I get we get. I gotta mention this, Jeremy. We've been we just came up on our one year anniversary, and this is the first time we've had any sort of a technical difficulty. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually kind of true. Which is, I don't know if that's a testament to how I mean, fully fucking twenty twenty functional millennials we are, or uh, maybe it's just dumb luck. I don't know. 
Yeah, if anyone needs to know how to recover uh, uh, an unsaved GarageBand project uh, when your computer freezes, let DM me on Twitter. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Betty and Rita go to Diane Selwyn's apartment. Yeah, okay, we talked about that. Uh, Betty and Rita, yeah, they go to the apartment. The woman's dead. Uh Rita disguises herself with a blonde wig. She and Betty have sex that night. We we covered all that. Uh, right. So 2 a.m. Yeah. Rita wakes up uh, suddenly insisting that they go to the to a theater called Club Silencio. Uh, the MC explains in different languages that everything is an illusion. I, I You know, everyone, this kind of gets overshadowed by the Re- Rebecca Del Rio performance which is obviously incredible but i i really love this when the guy's like a muted trumpet he's like listing off things that you hear and it's very like magical it reminds me of uh now there's there's moments in the novel the master and margarita where basically Uh. like the devil is doing a uh live performance for all these russian people that's Um, cool so Rebecca Del Rio comes on stage and begins singing uh, the Roy Orbison song Crying in Spanish, then collapses while her vocals continue. Uh, her performance was a recording. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Betty finds a blue box in her purse that matches Rita's key. Upon returning to the apartment, Rita retrieves the key and finds that Betty has disappeared. Rita unlocks the box and it falls to the floor with a thump. Yes. Okay. Okay, so we should mention at this part that you are kind of at... I I guess this wouldn't be the halfway point of the film. This is probably, what, the two-thirds mark of the film? Yeah. And um, so everything you've seen before it is going to change when in the next next portion of the film. So, you know, you can kind of... You can kind of observe that everything that it came before this moment was some sort of dream or trick or well wish or fantasy right yes yeah much so, like uh maybe in a reverse situation much like uh, lost highway yeah so lost highway and mulholland drive i think would make a very i mean it'd be a crazy double feature crazy <laughs> night for the viewer but it'd be a but i think they're very similar in that way that they have they're kind of films in two parts so uh this would be the second part Correct. Uh, so Diane Selwyn wakes up in her bed in the same apartment that Betty and Rita investigated. Uh, she looks exactly like Betty, but is a failed actress driven into a deep depression by her failed affair with Camilla Rhodes, uh, a successful actress who looks exactly like Rita. Uh, at Camilla's invitation, Diane attends a party at Adam's house on Mulholland Drive. Uh, at dinner, Diane states she came to Hollywood from Canada when her aunt Ruth died and left her some money and she met Camilla at an audition for the Sylvia North story. Uh, Another woman who looks like the Camilla Rhodes from earlier kisses Camilla and they turn and smile at Diane. Uh, Adam and Camilla prepare to make an appointment or an important announcement, but they dissolve into laughter and kiss while Diane watches crying uh, later, Diane meets the hitman at Winkies, appearing to hire him to kill Camilla. He tells her she will find a blue key with the, when the job is done. Uh, in her apartment, Diane looks at the blue key on her coffee table, 
Distraught, she is terrorized by hallucinations and runs screaming to her bed where she shoots herself. A woman at the theater whispers, Silencio. <laughs> Boy. That's, uh, there's your happy ending. Yeah. And they totally, in Wikipedia, did not mention the masturbation scene, the incredibly sad masturbation scene where Naomi Watts yeah. can't <laughs> orgasm because she's so depressed and misses her, the woman she loves. Uh, yeah. Eric, you are now in your 30s. This is probably the first time you've seen this movie in your 30s. No? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. What did you think? Um, now that I'm 30, I, I hated it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, this didn't go the way I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> never mind. No, like I said, this movie gets better the more I watch it. I will say, like, I couldn't watch this movie over and over again. And I'll also say that, like... This is a movie that I think is a lot of people's favorite David Lynch. It's 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 probably um you know, it's in my top 5, obviously. You'd be crazy to not have it in a top 5. But I don't even know if it makes my top top 3, my friend. Wow. Uh, I really don't. I don't know, but uh I do really like this movie. I mean, it's 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 uh it 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 kind of like is amazing to me how um, I mean, this last viewing, it, it had been a long enough gap of time where I was like, yeah, I know like what the gimmick is. I know what, hmm. like what's going on, but I was still kind of like surprised by stuff and like was watching it the same way I watched Twin Peaks where I'm like looking for clues and that's, that's really my favorite. That's my favorite kind of, you know, media to watch or, or to read or anything is something that makes me feel like I'm involved in it. Sure. Yeah. It, um, it's kind of open to interpretation, which which some people find uh, annoying. You know, some people just want like a cut and dry. They want everything spelled out for them, and there's n- nothing wrong with that. But uh, more often than not, I like to be I like to be challenged, uh, and 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 to kind of um, yeah, I like I like an open ended an open ended story. And I think you know, I think. Uh, I'll just say that, like, I pretty much subscribe to, like, the general interpretation that, you know, the first two acts are basically a dream, and then we see the reality at the end there. Um, And I actually think that maybe some of of the dream sequence, which is most of the movie, I think some of those things might have actually happened. Like, I think maybe that Hitman scene we talked about, like, maybe that actually happened. But... You know, you can dream things that happened in real life. You know what I mean? The, that's like the weird thing about dreams. It's like it, it's it's all based on rea- in reality at some level, and some of it like might have been exactly how it happened, and some of it might not. Like it, it might have, you know, the beginning of Rita's of uh, of you know her uh, getting to L.A. She might have befriended these two, you know, old this old couple. And it, it happened that exact way, and they went and got cabs together or whatever. But, you know, there's uh, there's other things that, uh, you know, obviously it was a fabrication from the dream. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I love this movie. Anyway, what do you, what do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, we got to do a ranking at the end of our journey with Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch because I want to... Yes. I, I also, I was going to say that this is my favorite David Lynch movie, but I've also might have said in an earlier episode that another movie was my favorite. And just so everyone knows, I reserve the right to change on a whim, on a dime, 
what my favorites are. Yeah. But when I make that list, that's that's it. That's definitive. So I'll yeah. I'll know more <laughs> when I get to the end of this process. But I think that I think that this is my favorite David Lynch movie. I think nostalgia has a big plays a big part of that. It's my first David Lynch movie, so it's kind of how Blue Velvet was your first, and possibly remains your favorite. It, that's very similar to my experience with Mulholland Drive, where it's the one that kind of changed everything for me, kind of changed the way I looked at film. I think that there's some things I noticed about it this time that I never noticed before that I really. I just, again, like a good book always can come back to it and notice more things. One of which was just like the whole fantasy element of the first half of the film being that, uh, you know, uh, Betty wants Rita, like Betty, like Rita has amnesia, right? And um, Mm. Betty is kind of helping her through this process and you get the sense in the second half of the film that either that that wasn't true or like it might have actually been the other way around and that Camilla might have been trying to help Diane in her acting career and um, you know that relationship with South or that Diane helped Camilla get successful maybe but either way in Naomi Watts, in that character's fantasy, she is taking care of the other, um, of, of Laura Herring. And that is where she wants Laura to be vulnerable and broken and doesn't remember anything and needs Naomi Watts, needs that character. And I just thought that was such an interesting way to play that. Like, that in this person's greatest fantasy, what they ultimately want is to be needed and, you know, to sort of be the guide for somebody. There's also like such a beautiful metaphor about moving to LA and needing somebody to help you out, help you through it. Like so many people have moved to LA and wouldn't it have been great if they were given an adventure right away. Right? Like, given something to do instead of being scared all the time and having no one and like not that many friends. I mean, fuck dude. Like you moved out here. You remember what it was like. Like it, it, it is an uphill battle finding a community and, and feeling plugged in and and not feeling like terrified all the time. So I think that, you know, that is something I noticed about it this time, which I really, I really liked. I really liked that, 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 that is buried in there that, you know, what Diane, Diane's, it's not just that she's not successful and jealous. It's that, you know, if we're to understand her, interpret her dream, it's that she's also not needed. <laughs> and, and like, uh, beyond just like kind of being a loser, she's, she's, has, has no purpose at all. And, and that's what ultimately drives her to do something, you know, to do something crazy uh, like having somebody killed and then, you know, killing herself. So that, that's sort of my thoughts on it this time. I'm sure, you know, every time I watch this film, I'm going to have a, not a different interpretation, but just another layer of that interpretation because it doesn't feel like the, the overall themes of this film have changed since I, you know, I, I first found it, 
back in 2004 or five. Uh, what about you, Eric? Did you feel like it feels like pretty much the, th- the themes and the messaging of the film are pretty clear at this point. Now it's just like, like learning new things about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, you know, now, I mean, now it's kind of like, I, I kind of, another part of it is I've just kind of sort of grown to love these characters. Like, I remember the first time I saw the cowboy, I was like, hell yeah, man. Yeah. We get the cowboy, we're getting, you know, we're getting the big, the big guy that, uh, <laughs> the big fucking uh, giant guy that uh, goes into Adam Ketcher's house and is oh, like, right. yeah. his wife is like climbing on him like he's a like boulder oh yeah he punches her from the from behind he like that guy's great (laughs) yeah that guy's great for sure yeah um yeah so that was uh that's Mulholland Drive Jeremy uh man we really are getting near the end the only lynch we have left is uh Inland Empire and Will full uh warning to everyone um I don't know how to watch Inland Empire, oh, good point. In a l- totally legal fashion. Um, let me do a quick Google search actually to see if anything's changed since last year because I did watch it last year. Did you watch it so, legally? No. Uh, can we, let's see if we can. Well, even you rent we could it. watch the TV show Empire on Hulu. Oh, can we actually do that instead? <laughs> yeah. Uh, where can I watch? Use DVDs. Uh, that's probably not going to work. Yeah, you could buy it from the library. Australian Netflix, apparently. <laughs> uh, we'll figure this out. We'll figure this out for you guys because it's, uh, you know, I mean, we have to. We do have to cover it. Um, so this might be this might be a thing where you might have to, you know, you might Break you might have law. to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but honestly, fuck the police. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, that was all a joke, by the way, uh, except for what Jeremy said. But uh, uh, <laughs> it was all a joke. Don't, don't, um, you know, don't pay for everything. Pay, I've only ever paid for anything I've watched. Um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah nice. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Not me. Fuck control. the police. Yeah. <laughs> As I just like undercut uh, everything you're saying. We have a couple. We have two weeks to figure it out, though, because next week. Very excited. We're talking about um, uh, what the hell? Why am I blanking on the name? The uh, the Kubrick film, Eyes Wide Shut. Oh yes, we're talking about. And then we're 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 getting close. We're getting close, Jeremy. I have to ask you real quick because I oh, know yeah. you mentioned that you might do this. Have you started the return yet? I have not. No, I have okay, not started good. it. Yeah. You know when you said that, I was like. You know, I respect. I would respect it if you did. That'd be fine if you did. But I was kind of hoping that you would hold out. So I I'm did glad. hold out because honestly, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. Because that's coming up in like three weeks, my dude. We're gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be. We'll 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 talk. We'll have to have a discussion about how we're gonna do that because it's a little. It's a little different. They're like one hour long episodes. There's eighteen of them. Uh, a lot of stuff goes on, but we'll we'll get to that when we when we get there. But. Uh, you know anything you wanna you wanna cover before we uh, sign off here? Nah, man, just keep fighting the good fight. Uh, you know you can follow me on Ocar- at Ocarina of Crime on Twitter. You can also uh, check out of, uh, if you like this show, you might like our uh, my video games show where much like this, I get a, a you know a panel 
of uh, people around, and we discuss a topic in video games. We've been doing top 10 lists lately. Our last one, the one that released this week, was top 10 RPGs of all time. Mm. I know uh, a lot Role of- Role-playing f- game. Fair, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you know, listen to that anywhere. Video games, a comedy show is what it's called. You can find it anywhere. Podcasts can be found and, uh, you know, stay safe, fight the good fight, but stay safe, stay safe, donate. Uh, there's plenty of donating you can be doing and, um, you know, um, yeah, stay safe out there. And, uh, thanks for listening. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. If you want to hear some extra stuff, uh, great stuff going on over there. And Norma. I'll see you in my dreams.